Well, hey, uh, let's pray, and then we're going to jump into, uh, turn to 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19, but let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this time, and Lord, I know that you're going to do absolutely amazing things as we submit our lives to you. And Father God, during this time, we get stressed out, we get full of anxiety, we get worried of fear and those things in our life. But Father, you desire us to live a balanced life. Life, Father, balanced spiritually, physically, emotionally. But Father, for the next couple of weeks, Lord, I just want to help people not be in the pit of depression. If they're in the pit of depression, that they don't have to remain there, Father. But just to have, have balanced emotions, because Father, uh, it says Jesus wept. Jesus got angry, when, but he didn't sin when he went in and cleansed the money takers. We know that we can grieve the Holy Spirit by our lifestyle. So, Father, we know that our emotions are real. It's something you've given us. But you've also given us a way to balance them. And so for the next couple of weeks, Lord, help me, help me just equip your people to be, live a balanced, emotional, healthy lifestyle in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, uh, I was reading some stuff and they were talking about psychiatric hospitals. And, and one of the tests that some psychiatric hospitals use is a mop, a bucket, and a faucet. And so what they would do is uh, they would bring the patient, and they were determining if the patient was ready to be discharged or not. And so they would, they would observe the patient through a one-way mirror. And in the room would be a, a mop, would be a bucket, and I'm not going to put a dripping faucet up here, but there would be a dripping faucet. And so they would watch what the patient did as soon as they walked in the room. And if the, the patient walked in the room, grabbed the mop, and began to mop up the floor from the water that had been dripping, then they knew that the patient was not ready to be discharged. And so then... If the patient walked in the room, walked past the mop and the bucket, and went over and turned off the faucet that, it wasn't running, but dripping, causing a problem, turned off the faucet that was dripping, then they knew that that patient was ready to be discharged. And often in life, often in life, when you are about to lose it, so many times what we do is we treat the symptoms and not the problem. We're grabbing the mop and the bucket when God wants us to go over and turn off the faucet. So the next three weeks, I want to look at the Word of God, everybody say balanced, and the how-tos of shutting off the source of our depression, shutting off the source of those things in our life, dealing with the real issues in our life, not just the symptoms, but how to have an emotional, healthy balance in our lives. In James chapter 5, verse 17, I just want to look at this first part, and we're going to look at this guy who's absolutely amazing, but it says, Elijah was as human as we are, and yet, Elijah was as human as you and I were, and yet. So the first thing that we need to realize, we need to ask ourselves, how many of y'all have ever been stressed out? How many of y'all ever been worried? How many of y'all have ever been anxious? How many of y'all have ever been confused? Maybe all the above. Amen. You know, you think about it as a whole, 
it was funny. We were we were in Albania, and it was Saturday night about uh, seven o'clock, and Crystal left her phone in our interpreter's house, and and so we had, had got the road about 10, 15 minutes down the road, and we were coming back, and all of a sudden we got pulled over in a police check, and uh, so we pull over in the police check. It takes about ten minutes. Pat, who oversees our jail ministry. He's got his left hand on the door, and he's chewing his fingernails, and he's about to bolt. Thank God he didn't bolt. But anyway, and then when we were in Elbison, we were getting briefed by the pastor, and he goes, hey, FBI and CIA has been in here. They've, they've, they've rooted out ISIS uh, guys in this area, and you can just see eyeballs getting big, amen? But have you ever wondered if you'd be good enough? Good enough to get into college? good enough to get selected for a scholarship, good enough to get married, good enough to get employed or promoted in your life? Have you ever had work deadlines piling up on you and your family is falling apart? Are your bills overwhelming you? See, sometimes our emotions are a blessing from God, but sometimes it seems more often than not that they feel like a curse, amen? Have you ever found yourself asking God, why did you give me all these emotions? Because at times we can feel that life is an emotional roller coaster, and especially during the holiday season. And I say holiday because we're lumping Thanksgiving and Christmas into that time. You think about it, our emotions are like Missouri weather. Think about it, we were 78 degrees on, on Wednesday, and, and now we're like 28 degrees on, on Saturday. See, anger is an emotion that is pretty prevalent in our life. Yet anger is not a primary emotion. And there's a lot of talk when you read studies about a person who has anger issues, they need anger management, amen? They made a movie about it. And it's interesting because anger management, why is that such a prevalent term in our life? Because, see, the world doesn't know how to eliminate anger. And because they don't know how to eliminate anger, they try to manage anger. But be honest, trying to manage anger is like to, trying to herd cats. And we live in an angry world, amen? You can just watch the news and see we live in an incredibly angry world. And so why can't we manage anger? We won't solve the anger problem with management because it's a secondary emotion that's driven by the primary emotions of fear, frustration and hurt anger is driven by fear frustration and hurt and i want to talk about if we can deal with those three primary emotions in our life then we'll begin to live a balanced emotional life think of it like this way like a plant the root system of a plant is below the dirt below the surface you don't see it it's not readily seen what we see is we see the leaves we see the flower we see the fruits because they're shown above ground that are visible and in the case of anger, we try to manage anger, we try to treat anger, when really the root of anger is fear, frustration, and hurt. Fear, frustration, and hurt that we don't see in our lives. We see the result that through anger. And it, with plants, especially weeds, if you simply lop off the top of the plant, the roots remain, amen? And then what happens? The weeds grow back. The only way to get rid of a weed is to dig it out or kill the roots. 
And it's true naturally, emotionally, and spiritually. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Look after each other. I love this. Look after each other. Look after each other. So you're not supposed to deal with this on your own. So that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Isn't that amazing? If it troubles you, it corrupts many. If it troubles you, your bitterness just doesn't affect you, but it spreads out and affects others. And so when you begin to understand yourself, then you begin to understand others better in your life. And what we've been doing, especially as a church, as a Christian, as a people, as a culture, secular or religious, is we've been lopping off and attacking, not attacking the roots of fear, frustration, and hurt. We watch our government right now. We watch the world government trying to manage anger. Let's have peace talks. Let's have a ceasefire. And they're not getting down to that root cause of fear, frustration, and hurt in their lives. And so the reality of life, you're going to experience a lot of secondary emotions in your life. But don't get distracted by those because they are just symptoms. Everybody say symptoms. Symptoms of deeper issues. And so I want to talk about the specific emotion that's at epidemic level in our culture, especially during the months of November and December. It's depression. Depression. More people get depressed during the months of November and December than the first 10 months of the year combined. Think about it. What do people do at holiday time when they get depressed? They isolate. They begin to withdraw. They begin to hibernate. Oh, it's cold. I don't want to get out. It's this. I don't want to do that. And yet it should be the most joyous time of the year. Think about the hope. Think about the peace. Think about the joy. Think about the fellowship. Think about all those things. But yet for a lot of people, it's a depressing time because it's a reminder of who they've lost in the last year. It's a reminder of who has left their lives. It's a reminder of what they don't have. It can be very painful for many. Depression is anger, anger turned inward. Depression is fear, frustration, and hurt turned inward on oneself. We're almost self-mutilating our lives. And so I want to look at his story in 1 Kings 18 and 19 over the next couple weeks. And it's a story about someone who was struggling with this emotion of depression. And it recounts his journey through the depression, but also with God's help, how to get out of that depression in their life. And we'll see over the next two weeks, not this week, I'm just going to give you an intro, but we'll see the next two weeks, God's prescription for getting us out of depression through this man's life. Today, we'll learn to apply that prescription to any emotional battle that we're experiencing in our life, and we'll do this by looking at the life of Elijah, because the Bible says in the opening verse that he was a person just like us. Everybody say, God can use me. You know, it's an amazing thing, because I love when I read the Bible that 
so many times our problem in the Word of God is we put people on pedestals. We put it because of their great faith, because they're heroes of the Bible, and yet we forget that these guys are just like us. And if God used them, God can use you. So what I love about the Holy Spirit and what I love about the Word of God is he just doesn't give us the hero moments of these people's lives. But he gives us the struggles they went through. He gives us the temptations and the battles and those things in life. And so the thing that I want you to grab today is that, that God can use Elijah, who is just like us, then God can use, can, God can use you. Everybody say, God can use me. So encourage me that, that, that when you see somebody depressed, man, God can use you. No matter what your, your story is, God can rewrite your story, amen? And so Elijah battles this depression during his ministry, even though he was used by God in powerful ways. Many theologians consider Elijah possibly the greatest prophet who ever lived in all time in the Old Testament. He did these incredible exploits. He prayed for it not to rain, and it didn't rain for three years. He prayed for it to rain, and then it rained. He parted the River Jordan with his cloak. He raised a child from the dead. He called down fire from heaven and wiped out the enemy. I mean, he did all these amazing things. Think about it. Elijah is only one of two people that never died. Enoch and Elijah. And God loved Elijah and was so impressed with Elijah that he sent a chariot down to pick him up and just take him to heaven without ever dying. I mean, Elijah was amazing, amen? So we pick up this story in 1 Kings chapter 18. It continues in 19. And Israel, much like America, was embroiled in very wicked, evil times. And they were serving false gods. The king of that time was Ahab, one of the most wicked kings of, of all Israel had ever known. To make matters worse, his wife, uh, Queen Jezebel was more wicked than her husband, the Bible says. Queen Jezebel wasn't an Israelite, but she was a Gentile, and she introduced pagan gods into the Jewish culture. So Israel was serving these false gods, and Elijah was fed up with it, and he sends a message to the king. And you've got to understand, you just don't send messages to the king, because if the king wanted, he could have you killed. But he sent this message to the king. The king accepted the message. And Elijah said, hey, King Ahab, I, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to see whose God's really God. If my God is God or your gods are God. And so King Ahab said, okay, I'll accept the challenge. In verse 19, now summon all Israel, because he's trying to get revival. We talked about it. We sang about it the last song. Now, verse 19, now summon all of Israel to join me at Mount Carmel. And Mount Carmel would be like the church along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who were supported by Jezebel. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and all the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? Man, that's like so prophetic to us today. Are we going to believe God or not? I mean, think about it. If Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is Lord, follow him. But the people were completely silent. Verse 24, then call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of my Lord. The God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God. And all the people agreed. 
And so as you begin to read the story, man, they're going through all the stuff. They're cutting themselves. They're dancing. They're waving banners. Elijah starts making fun of them, said maybe your, your God is in the bathroom. Maybe your God's on a lunch break. Maybe your God's doing all this stuff. And they go on from morning, noon, and right there at evening, and nothing happens. Nothing happens. And then Elijah calls his servants. He said, okay, build my altar. And so they, they build the altar, and he says, pour three gallons of water over the top of it. Now, remember, it's a drought. It hadn't rained for three, three years. And he says, do this three times. Where the Bible says that there was a trench around the altar that it filled up with water. And I love what Elijah teaches us. Elijah didn't get in all the craziness, the goofiness, the weirdness. No, the Bible says he prayed a very simple prayer. No dancing, no jumping, no cutting himself, no banner waving. But listen to this, verse 36. At the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and he prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Japheth, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, that you've brought you brought them back to yourself. Man, we want revival. We gotta, we gotta grab what this story is telling us about it being emotionally healthy and balanced in our life. And the Bible says, oh Lord, that you brought them back to yourself. And the Bible says, immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven, burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, the Lord God, he is our God. Yes, the Lord is our God. Everybody say revival. revival. And then you go in to read the story. Elijah killed the 450 false prophets. Then he went up to the hill. He prayed for rain to come. And it hadn't rained for three years. And all of a sudden, it's starting to rain. And then he sends Ahab back home. And, and then Ahab, uh, uh, Elijah, through the story, gets up process where he gets superly naturally empowered by God and he outruns a bunch of horses pulling a chariot and he passes that and we get to this point right here in in first Kings chapter 19 he gets Ahab gets home eventually he tells his wife Jezebel what happened Jezebel gets mad she sends that one guy a messenger to Elijah and he said by this time tomorrow I'm going to do the same to you that you did to my 450 prophets so here's a story of a God, man used mightily by God, did amazing things, and he encountered one negative comment and it put him in a downward spiral into a pit of depression. Look what it says here in verse 2. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. The first symptom of an unhealthy emotion and being out of balance is to experience an unhealthy fear. Is to experience an unhealthy fear. We all battle fears, amen? Certain fears are rational. Certain fears are even wise. When I was in first grade, I took a fork when I lived on Marward Circle, 
And I thought it would be interesting to take that fork and stick it in the outlet in the bathroom of my house. As I flew across the bathroom floor, hit the door, I realized that wasn't it. I remember my mom and dad asking, what happened? I didn't know. My hands were brown. I didn't know. My hair was probably afroed out. How many of you all know that's a healthy fear? Amen. Don't do that. You don't jump out in front of a semi-truck on the highway when it's moving. That's a healthy fear. But we're talking about unhealthy fear. Think about the Bible story. Elijah had just killed 450 prophets. He had just called fire down from heaven. He called rain out of heaven after three and a half years. And one person said, I'm going to kill you. And here's this Holy Spirit, empowered man of God, spirit guy. And we see an unhealthy, irrational fear that begins to spiral downward in our life. And to make matters worse, verse 3 says he leaves his servant. We see him withdrawing from meaningful relationships. Don't miss that. Watch for people withdrawing. I watch it in the church. I watch people who are excited about God. They, they sit in certain areas. They sort of, a lot of them sit up close. But then I watch them drift. They drift back, and then they drift out. They drift out the doors. His servant was likely his closest friend. He would have been Elijah's confidant his counselor, thank you very much, his encourager. In Bible times, he would have been his successor. In our times, he had been the best friend, and yet he withdrew. He left that relationship. How many people do we see in our lives leaving relationship with us, drifting away from us? It's an unhealthy emotional situation more than likely that they're in. The second thing of an unhealthy emotion or out-of-balance emotion is when you begin to isolate yourself. When you begin to withdraw from your meaning relationships like your spouse, like your kids, like your best friends, like your church, like your dream team, like your small group, like your peer group. It's a sound word. It's a symptom of a downward spiral of unhealthy emotions that's eventually going to lead to depression. First Kings chapter 19 verse 4 says, then he went alone. Everybody say alone. Alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. You ever prayed that? You might die? Let me tell you, we're going to have to get aggressive on reaching out to people and loving them and accepting them and embracing them. Amen? During the next 60 days, it's critical on people's lives. It's not that we don't do, but we need to do more. We need to do more than just, just like something on Facebook or social media. Then he said, I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Think about it. In three verses, three verses. Elijah spiraled out of control. 
And that's what happens to us when we don't keep our emotions in check. If we don't manage our emotions, our emotions will manage us. If we don't manage our emotions, our emotions will manage us in our life. Most times, suicide is a quick, second, emotional decision. And if you've ever talked to somebody who hadn't gone through it, they'll say, when I did it, I wish I wouldn't have done it. But I'd already done it. If we don't manage our emotions, our emotions will manage us. And Elijah here is being managed by his emotions rather than managing them. And he moves into suicidal thoughts because that's what fear, frustration, and hurt does. Fear, frustration, and hurts moves us into thoughts we would have never thought that eventually leads us into depression, which eventually isolates us because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to isolate you because two may send 1,000 to fly, but three may send 10,000 to fly. Come on, amen? Ecclesiastes 4.12 says one can't keep warm, two might keep warm, but three definitely can keep warm together because they're knitted together. And then he begins to say, my life is worthless. No one will miss me. Or what we say, well, my family will be better off with the insurance money. Do I really matter? Do I really count because nobody notices me? Would anyone really, really, would anyone really, really care if I was gone? And he moves into this slippery slope of depression because fear, frustration, and hurt. And for some of you, this is a prophetic warning message right now. And you need to grab it. And then the third thing, and I'm going to close with this. He begins to get this distorted view of himself as he starts comparing himself to others. I'm no better than my ancestors. He has this warped view of himself, and he starts comparing himself to his relatives because his relatives aren't mentioned and even recorded in the Word of God. Folks, we're talking about one of the greatest prophets ever in the Old Testament. He just had one of the greatest victories, and that's what I always tell our team that goes on missions trips or ministry team. I said the greatest attack is going to come after the greatest victories. So beware, because it's coming. Because you're, you're tired, you're on a high, you're not watching. He had one of the greatest victories on Mount Carmel. Just think about it. Just turned an entire nation, the Bible says, into revival, back to God. Come on. Man, turning an entire nation back to God, that's pretty incredible, amen? And yet, and yet inside, he still thinks he's a loser. He still thinks he's worthless. So I'm going to close with this. Next two weeks, we'll look at the prescription of a balanced emotional health. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. I want you to really say, how do you see yourself right now? How do you see yourself right now? Do you see yourself in a place that you can't see anything good about yourself? 
that's extremely unhealthy. And the solution, what is the solution today? To believe what God says about you. Not what your thoughts or emotions are telling you. Because let me tell you, your emotions will lie. And your mind will lie to you. But God in his word will never lie to you. And if God says it, you can believe it. And if God says it, you can take it to the bank. Remember, are you treating the symptoms, the mop and the bucket? Or are you going to the source and turning off the faucet? How do you turn off the faucet? Listen to what Titus 2, or 1 verse 2 says. The truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. You have an eternal life promised to you, and God does not lie. And so the first question is, you haven't gone too far. You haven't gone too far to be away from God. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. The Bible says that you can go out and do crazy living like, like the prodigal son. That you can walk away from the father. But the Bible says also you can walk back to the father's house. And it'll be as if you never left. Your emotions will tell you you've gone too far. You've done too much. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So right there in this moment, just say, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Jesus, I'm returning back to you. Holy Spirit, please forgive me and wash me clean and give me a brand new start. And if you prayed that prayer, the seat back in front of you is a connect card. You're not meant to do life alone. Let us come with you. We're going to love you. We're going to accept you. We won't condone your sin, but we'll help you begin to walk out of that and watch God begin to restore and rewrite your story in your life. You can drop it in the black boxes. You can give it to these folks that will be up here that will be praying for you. But I'm going to ask the prayer team, I'm going to ask everybody to please stand. And, and the prayer team's up here to pray for you, but I got two words of knowledge that God gave me for the 9 o'clock service. And, and first of all, I have a, a right thumb that's hurting. A right thumb. I don't know what it is. But if you, if you have a right thumb that's hurting, you make sure you come up for prayer. I believe God's going to heal and totally restore that by the end of the day. And then the other thing that I, I've got, I've got two other things. A burning, tingling circulation problem. I see it seems to be in the lower extremities of your body, but it's a burning, tingling circulatory problem. Uh, come up for prayer. I believe God's going to remove that and wash that away. And then the last thing, and this isn't Shark Tank, because the devil got my head. He said, you just heard that word on Shark Tank. But, but some of you are, are thinking about a business decision, and the word that came to me was perpetuity. Uh, I don't know what that means, but, but if it registers confirmation with you, 
whether you're online or in person at 11 o'clock. I'll share that again. Make sure you come up. Uh, have people pray for you. Uh, but something about perpetuity uh, and, and just the long-term benefits of your business. Let me pray a blessing over you. Then you can come forward for prayer. Be dismissed. Father God, I just thank you. And Father, we just speak balance. Balance healthy emotions. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over every person. Online, in person, Father, wherever they're at, watching later. That you protect them from whatever's going on. That you desire them to live a balanced emotional life, Father. That they can shine forth the light of the gospel. And that's what will cause revival. In Jesus' name, amen.